All right, this is super serious. And so we're not going to make light of this. Uh, Lauren Boebert, the radical and repugnant, sanctimonious Republican congresswoman who talks about how Christianity is the one moral path and Christianity needs to be involved in civil government and all these different how everybody else is a bad parent if they have uh, a, a trans kid or if they're gay or whatever. OK, that Lauren Boebert was potentially involved in covering up her own then husband, soon to be ex-husband's alleged child abuse against one of her own kids. There is the story of the facts and there is the story of Lauren Boebert's. I know with Ron DeSanctimonious, it sounds crazy to use the word, but her sanctimonious pleading about how she is the moral one when she may have been involved in this. So let me tell you what the allegations are. In December, Lauren Boebert's teen son called 911. And the reason that her son called 911 was to report that his dad, Lauren Boebert's husband, was abusing him, that he was, quote, throwing me in the house. The teen sobbed through the two minute call, saying he didn't understand why his dad was mad. The boy called back soon after, suddenly denying it happened with Lauren Boebert jumping on the call to say the boy is fine. OK, so two minute phone call. The teen calls and says, my dad's throwing me around. I don't know why the call ends. Garfield County Sheriff's Office deputies are going out to Lauren Boebert's house. The teen calls back and says, oh, I take it back. And suddenly Lauren Boebert's on the phone and says, my son doesn't need any help. Jason Boebert denied to the deputies that he got physical with his son, put out uh, Lauren Boebert, put out a statement yesterday saying the safety and well-being of my family are the most important things in the world. We've had tough times and heartache. I've taken action to ensure there are better days ahead, presumably meaning that she is going to be divorcing her husband. An affidavit says that when Jason Boebert was served with the petition for divorce, he became extremely angry. He started yelling and using profanity. And he uh, Lauren Boebert denied that that's what happened. When we go back to 2004, we know that Jason Boebert was arrested and pleaded guilty to public indecency and lewd exposure after allegedly exposing his genitals to two young women, one of whom was 16 years old at a bowling alley. Lauren Boebert defends her husband in her book, claiming that he was actually the one who was harassed by a female bartender who said, show me your genitals. So we have a situation here where if it is true. It appears as though Lauren Boebert potentially realizing. The very bad situation that it would be for her for police to show up at her house just a few months ago, potentially to arrest her husband for child abuse that her son called 911 and said was going on. The speculation is she made her son call and retract that allegation that his dad, Boebert's husband, was becoming physically violent. And if that is the case, she would be involved in a cover up of child abuse. Now, we don't know that that is what took place. We are still learning more about this, but it's not about getting involved in the personal lives of these individuals beyond the fact that they want to they both declare themselves the top and mightiest arbiters of morality and ethics. And they go around telling everybody else what they're doing wrong based on sexual identity or gender or whatever the case may be. And in addition to that, that they stake a claim for their religion, which in this, you know, with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and others, it's always Christianity, that Christianity is the moral and ethical law of the land that should be the law of civil government. So they are sanctimonious hypocrites. Now, whatever the truth is about whatever abuse one of Lauren Boebert's sons may have suffered, it's a law enforcement matter. But to the extent that these folks want to make law and tell everybody else what's right and what's wrong, they are horrible, sanctimonious hypocrites. Mike Pence is going to have a CNN town hall. But he's not a candidate for the presidency. So what on earth is going on? Let's see if we can figure it out. CNN has announced that on June 7th, 
there will be a Republican presidential town hall with Vice President Mike Pence. What? What you're going to do a town hall with a guy who's not a candidate? What on earth is going on? And it even says that Pence is going to take questions from Iowa Republicans and Iowa voters who will be participating in the Republican caucuses. But he hasn't said he's running. Well, there is a uh, KCCI uh, Yahoo Life Yahoo News report. We never know who's reporting this. Former Vice President Mike Pence lays the groundwork for a 2024 presidential run in Des Moines, in Des Moines. It is increasingly looking like former Vice President Mike Pence is going to be running against the guy he served under Donald Trump, which is stunning. Now, is it unprecedented? No, there are a couple other examples of vice presidents running against the president they served under. I don't have them in front of me, but we're going to if Pence becomes a candidate, we will look at that in more detail. If you thought that this primary was going to get ugly with the entrance of Ron DeSantis against Donald Trump, and it is already getting very ugly because of that, just you wait until Mike Pence gets in. Now, interestingly, Mike Pence is in third place right now. Right now, the Trump decline since the DeSantis announcement continues, the DeSantis bump since the announcement continues, Trump down to 54, DeSantis up to 21. But Mike Pence is basically tied with Nikki Haley just under 5%. Now, does Mike Pence really have a shot at becoming the Republican nominee? I don't believe so. But to the extent that Trump gets triggered by so-called disloyalty, you can imagine no more disloyal action from your own former vice president than that vice president saying, I actually think I would be so much better for the country than you, even though I served alongside you, that I am going to run against you. So this is going to be listen, the the town hall is going to be Mike Pence not exactly electrifying the crowd. Uh, Mike Pence lacking charisma almost as acutely as Ron DeSantis. And the event itself is not really something that I'm super interested in. But but the fact that it's sort of an event for a presidential candidate, even though he's not actually a presidential candidate, really points to uh, a fascinating situation that we will be following extraordinarily closely. That's June 7th. Mike Pence, I guess, looking like he's going to run against Trump. Just wait till you see Trump fly off the handle. Major news from the MAGA riots. Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the right wing Oath Keepers group, has been sentenced to 18 years in prison for his role in seditious conspiracy surrounding the January 6th MAGA riots. This is a serious sentence. The uh, NBC News report reads the founder of the far right Oath Keepers has been sentenced to 18 years in federal prison in connection with the January 6th attack on the Capitol following his conviction on seditious conspiracy. The sentence for Stuart Rhodes is the longest imposed on a January 6th defendant to date in a politically charged courtroom before sentencing. Rhodes called himself a political prisoner and said when he talked about regime change in a phone call with supporters earlier this week, he meant he hopes that Trump will win in 2024. The judge disagreed and says, you, sir, present an ongoing threat and a peril to this country and to the republic and to the very fabric of this democracy. Um, wow. So I want to say a couple of things about this. One of the things I don't do, unlike the right, which says lock this person up, lock that person up, throw away the key, death penalty, all these different things. I have not once said I want them to crush these rioters and throw them in prison for life or whatever. What I have said is we have evidence that crimes were committed, so folks should be charged and then they should go through the legal process. And if they are convicted, they should be sentenced fairly in according to sentencing guidelines for the crimes for which they are convicted. That's law and order. And all of these right wingers who want to shout that they are for law and order while they demand Hillary be locked up and they demand that Biden be locked up and Hunter Biden, all this stuff. You're not actually for law and order if you want to deny people uh, due process. 
And so all along, I have said there are very serious allegations surrounding many of these Trump rioters, but I want justice to be done. And that means that I'm not going to go around demanding people be locked up at all or for amounts of time that don't correspond to the crimes they have committed. Here we have a situation where Stuart Rhodes was found guilty of seditious conspiracy. That's a very serious crime. There are those who will say the pro- the mere prosecution of these individuals is politically motivated or all these. The judges remember a lot of these judges are Trump appointees. If you actually can demonstrate that there was wrongdoing or mishandling of these cases, do it. Uh, they all get their right to appeal. But we are now seeing that these are serious crimes, which juries of these individuals peers have decided there is enough evidence to convict. So now Stuart Rhodes is facing uh, eight facing. He's been sentenced to 18 years. I always forget whether there are any situations with federal sentences where you get time off for for good behavior. Maybe he will serve close to that full 18. Maybe he will not. Uh, This is a reminder, hopefully, even though there have not been consequences to the, the top level insiders like Trump, and we'll see if there are any consequences. This is a reminder that you might want to allow peaceful transitions of power to take place rather than doing what these criminals and we can say now that they are criminals have done. All right. So we'll see if there are any longer sentences. But to date, 18 years, the longest coming out of the MAGA riots. Monday, Memorial Day, folks, we're off on Monday for Memorial Day. But remember, we'll be doing our one day membership special. Get notified by getting on my newsletter at davidpackman.com. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, Viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P. dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. If you're like me and you love the nostalgia of enjoying a bowl of cereal sometimes as an adult, check out our sponsor, Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is the breakfast cereal with the crunchy, sweet goodness you love, but with zero grams of sugar, more protein and only four to five net carbs. So it's perfect if you're doing low carb, if you're doing keto, if you're like me and you just don't want to eat a bunch of sugar. Magic Spoon has delicious flavors to choose from. Cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, honey nut, cinnamon roll, birthday cake. My favorite is maple waffle. And right now they have limited edition spring flavors, strawberry milkshake and peaches and cream. Sometimes you just feel like sitting down with a bowl of cereal. When the mood strikes, go for something with plenty of protein without all the sugar. If you don't love Magic Spoon as much as I do and our team does, Magic Spoon will refund all of your money. No questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman, create a custom bundle, use the code Pacman for $5 off. That's magicspoon.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show is an audience, meaning you funded program. We depend on the support of viewers and listeners, whether you listen to the podcast or watch us on YouTube or TikTok or wherever the case may be um, to sign up for membership at joinpacman.com. It's an incredible thing. You can do so using the coupon code 24 starts now, and we are really in the thick of it. As many of you know, you can also instead 
Wait until Monday, this Monday, Memorial Day. Get on my newsletter at davidpackman.com and Monday you'll get an email telling you how to sign up at an even more outrageous discount. Let's go to everyone's favorite or least favorite part of the week. Nobody is in the middle on these uh, hearing from the audience segments. People either love it or they hate it and they threaten to leave all the time. Um, I want to hear from some of the most important people to us, the viewers, because otherwise I'm a guy in a room with a microphone and some lights and it would be really sad. We take calls on Fridays via discord. You can find the discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's start today with Mark from San Antonio, Texas. Mark, welcome to the program. What can I do for you today? Am I unmuted? You are unmuted and coming through loud and clear, sir. Great. Uh, thanks for taking my call again, David. Um, I'm I don't know if you saw yesterday, but uh, Carrie Lake again had her lawsuit tossed out. And I'm just starting to think more and more that unlike, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and uh, Mike Pillow, I f- don't think she's a firm believer. I think she's just nothing but a grift. And I wonder your take on it with with each subsequent, you know, uh, appearance she makes on media, it just seems more and more like she's just a really polished news person that's giving, you know, a, a polished performance, uh, however horrifying that might be. I tend to agree with you. And one of the comments I made earlier this week was if she had been unable to grift any money with this stuff starting in November, she would have stopped by now. The reason that it continues is people keep donating. And now, even though it's it's being called the last ditch that was now thrown out, She's now saying she's going to try to get it to the Supreme Court. And she even said, you can still keep donating, (laughs) even though I'm not here asking for money. You can keep donating. I believe that with Carrie Lake, it is a grift. I don't think she believes any of it for a second. She knows Katie Hobbs won. Maybe she believes some element of how the election was run was unfair. But the idea that she's continuing to fight to be made the governor, it's like that's not how it works. It's not going to happen. I agree with you that Carrie Lake is a grifter. Yeah, it's just it's it's performance art at this point. And I think, you know, if, if somebody uh, on the left were willing to, you know, go that far to create a performance, you know, a character and then suddenly flip the script and oh, by the way, I'm progressive. I think, you know, the right wing media would absolutely explode. But here they've just platformed her for forever uh, when I, I'm sure she's probably somewhere in the middle or moderately conservative. But this is, you know, it's just insanity. It's performance. Yeah, I remember like I don't want to misspeak, but didn't she support Obama at one point? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, Carrie Lake supported Obama. Uh, yeah, Obama backing Arizona news anchor became a MAGA darling. Yep. Well, it is what it is. Listen, how's that San Antonio Riverwalk? I've never been. You know, um, it used to be just firmly for tourists, and then you know there was a bunch of money committed to extending the the river reach, and there's only like one last section left, but you'll be able to go from the museums um, all the way to the very. Um, tip, you know, very southern tip of it to the the final mission, the UNESCO uh, mission heritage sites. So, you know, sure, the Riverwalk downtown is just nothing but restaurants and hotels. But once you get outside of that, you can rent a bike and ride all the way to mm. the to the Spanish missions. And it's it's a good time. It's it's really pretty. I'm going to have to get down there, Mark. I appreciate the call. All right. Thanks, David. All right. There goes Mark from San Antonio, Texas. Why don't we go next to Bentley from Utah? Bentley, welcome to the program. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, perfect. Um, so I've just been looking into some other countries like Denmark lately, and I was wondering if you'd ever consider moving to a country that is more like socially democratic, you know? Listen, I would consider it the the thing for me about, uh, you know, Denmark would be an easy one to go. I speak English and Spanish and Denmark would be easy because Everybody speaks English in Denmark or most people do. I've been there. It's a fantastic country. The cuisine was great. The people were delightful, expensive, expensive country for sure. In really practical terms, I'm not seriously considering moving other than I would and I plan to, especially for my daughter to get Spanish immersion. I do plan to spend extended periods of time in Argentina, and I've actually done so recently, like with not not with big fanfare, but there have been periods where I produced the show from Argentina. Um, But moving, you know, circumstances would have to be very extenuating for me to move because the reality is a bunch of my family is in the United States. 
My job is in the United States. A lot of my friends and you know this sort of thing. So Denmark is a place if I were looking to move, Denmark would be a great place to move to. I'm just not actively looking right now. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Bentley from Utah. Great to hear from you. Very much appreciate that. Let's go to uh, is it Phineas? Let's go to Phineas from is it Kentucky? Something with a K. I'm not sure. Phineas, please unmute yourself so we can hear what your name is and where you're going. Oh, Kansas. Phineas from Kansas. Yes, sorry. Uh, Phineas from Kansas. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. I was calling to ask in 2010, the Supreme Court overturned Citizens United. And if you look at voter participation before 2010, it actually shows a decrease in in voter participation in volume and numbers. Um, And ever since then, we've seen a growth in these numbers. I was just wondering if you believe that as opposed to supporting a party, the increased spending in elections has merely just increased voter participation, which could potentially backbite against Republicans and have an advantage for Democrats. Well, hold on a second. You said in 2010, the Supreme Court overturned Citizens United. That's a that's a the phrasing is is relevant here because my understanding is. Oh, I'm sorry. In 2010. Yeah, the the Supreme Court. Court Okay, in 2010, the Supreme Court reversed an earlier decision by a lower court, which upheld that the First Amendment applies to campaign finance laws and uncapped a lot of different types of spending. We're on the same page on that, right? Yes. Yeah. You're arguing that after that happened, we've actually seen voter participation increase which isn't good for Republicans. So it sounds like what you're saying is in some underhanded way, might the Citizens United decision of 2010 actually have been a bad thing for Republicans. Am I understanding correctly? That is correct. I think the difficulty of that argument is that correlation is different than causation. We would have to demonstrate that political turnout increased because of that decision. And I've not seen any evidence that that's the case. Okay, well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Phineas from Kansas, a perfectly reasonable question, I must say. Let's go next to Connor from New Jersey. Connor from New Jersey. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Oh, well, uh, hey, David, I've talked to you a couple times already. Appreciate you having me on the show again. I love it. Uh, so I remember I called you a while back. Um, I saw the video you did where we did like a, a snippet of our conversation where I really didn't elaborate on what I was going on about with me coming from a conservative space. But again, last time was for me to say thank you for what you do. And, you know, I really find you inspiring. But let's move thank on you. from that. Please. Um, let's try to address like where I'm coming from and like this weird mix where I see myself as like socially conservative and politically progressive, right? Mm -hmm. So I explained to you that like I'm for for gay marriage. Uh, I support the idea of LGBT rights and you know that we should be able to see humans as humans and not say like, oh, you're you're living a delusion. People should be able to at least live their lives to the fullest capabilities. So where I think that I might lean more towards like a more right leaning take is I'm for a free market to a degree, right? I like the idea of small businesses being able to freely compete amongst one another, but where I might be more progressive is where it comes to corporations. I feel like for them to operate in a free market leads to small businesses not being able to operate freely as they would want to be. And my issue with corporations operating freely is they have a tendency to smush any ability for small businesses to really freely operate. and. My argument for this is like, let's say at the small mom and pa shop, those shops went away when something like Walmart came in, which had much further stock, had the ability to outcompete in terms of products that they could sell. They had a much larger net worth than these small businesses. And a lot of them would end up being bought up because they just would receive the money and be like, well, why am I going to continue to struggle against Walmart if I'm getting this money? I, I just, Connor, I'm not sure I really understand. So you're saying on the one hand, let me see if I can understand the positions you've outlined. You you told me you're left wing on gay marriage and right. you are progressive on corporations to the extent that larger companies 
uh, scoop up or put out of business mom and pops. But you're generally speaking for a free market and low business regulation, which makes you economically right wing. Am I understanding the positions? Correctly? Yeah. So I, I want the smaller businesses to be able to operate more freely. But I think larger corporations should be regulated to prevent them from corporate monopolies, being able to do things like abuse offshore workers. Um, I mean, a fine example would be in the technological industries we use in the U.S., I've learned it's not the same case for other countries like Germany, but in the U.S., there's a lot of slave labor that takes place outside of the United States. Yeah, uh, the, the Congo would be a great example of that. And my whole point is more regulation, I think, needs to be accomplished in order for things like that to not be allowed of U.S. corporations. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really not there. There's on. Let me I'll give you two answers. In what you're telling me, there is a bit of a contradiction in the sense that you're sort of espousing different views about your expectations of government, depending on which issue we're talking about. Like, for example, right. you support LGBT rights, but you're against mm -hmm. governments regulating businesses, businesses that might discriminate against LGBT people. Oh, no, so no, no, have this, no, no, but hold on. I'm not saying you said that. Connor. Yeah. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that's a way in which there might be a contradiction. But let me zoom out to the sure. bigger picture. In my view, saying that as a corporation, once you've reached a certain size, there might be additional regulations placed on you. I agree mm -hmm. with that. And I think that right now that's a fundamentally left wing economic perspective. And I don't claim to be educated on this stuff, but I was trying to explain, like, you know, I'm still for small businesses being able to do what they want. But in a more progressive stance, I don't think corporations should be able to do what they want. Considering and by corporations, you mean large corporations, yeah. right? Because small businesses might also yes. be a corporation. Yeah. Corporate monopolies, I think, is what I'm really trying to get at is okay. corporations Fair. that yeah. are clearly So that sounds relatively left wing to me. I mean, it's uh, I'm not right. hearing anything definitively right wing in there. Um, well, again, I, I like capitalism. I'm not someone that thinks that capitalism is inherently evil. Yeah, I just remember social democracy, sort. which is the, the the economic model of Denmark and Sweden and other northern European right. countries. It's a form of capitalism. It's well regulated. Yeah, capitalism. I, yeah more of that. There's yeah. like social democracy. There's social Democrats and then there's democratic socialists. Yeah. Socialists who would want a capitalist society to become socialist inevitably would be democratic socialists. So I guess in that sense, yeah, I would I'm for social programs. Yeah. No, listen, Connor, so, you're sounding uh, you're sounding pretty, at least in 2023 for the United States standard. You're sounding sounding at minimum center left and uh, always good to hear how things are going politically for you. Cool. Nice talking to you, David. All right. There goes Connor from Jersey sounding less and less like a Republican every time we talk. Why don't we go next to Smith from Phoenix? Smith from Phoenix. Welcome to the program. Uh, please unmute yourself. What's on your mind today? Hello. Uh, so with uh, Ron DeSantis seemingly joining in the race later today, officially, and he's doing it with fanfare with Elon Musk. Uh, I've been thinking about why Elon is wanting to do this with DeSantis and what I'm thinking. And let me know what you think about this. Elon wants to do this to basically incentivize Trump to come back onto his platform and basically have a Twitter war between DeSantis and Trump on his platform. I'm not entirely convinced Elon is doing this to say he's endorsing DeSantis, but to bring him on his platform to essentially coax Trump back on the platform when he hasn't so far, surprisingly. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that being a possible motivation for Musk. I think there are others as well, including that he's seeing this as a way to potentially be a bigger player in the presidential campaign. And, uh, you know, there's there's personal ego reasons and different things. But this this is something a couple people actually emailed me about Smith, which was the idea that this is going to make this is if Trump does nothing as far as Twitter goes, this will make Twitter even more of a pro DeSantis safe haven. It'll make it overtly one. And Twitter has become very right wing since Elon Musk took it over. You look at the for you feed and it's just right wing nonsense. So I think that Elon Musk may indeed be making the calculation you're making, which is maybe this is how you get Trump back on Twitter and Twitter becomes the platform where this uh, Republican primary plays out, which is just great for Twitter, which, quite frankly, doesn't seem to be doing that well right now. 
Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, I, to, me, to me, Elon is under the guise of free speech is really coaxing on Republicans. I'm not sure how that's going to work for him long, uh, in the long term. But, yeah, I don't either. Uh, you know, a lot of these DeSantis we'll see, people don't like electric vehicles and they don't like a lot of what Elon Musk is up to. And when you actually think about it. So I don't know, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows, but let's give it a few weeks and then we'll analyze it. All right. Yeah. Smith from yeah. Phoenix. Thank you, thank thank you, you so time. much for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's take a very quick break and then we'll come back and hear from some more folks. So if you're waiting to talk to me, uh, just hang on. I love my Helix sleep mattress. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor. You actually take their famous sleep quiz, takes just a few minutes to answer questions about your sleep preferences, body type, sleep position, whether you have back pain and Helix will match you with a mattress that's perfect for you, which is really unique and helpful because a lot of people don't know where to start when buying a mattress. I certainly didn't. Their newest collection of mattresses called Helix Elite come with a built in Glaciotex layer to keep you cool at night, an extra layer of foam for pressure relief and thousands of extra micro coils for best in class support and durability. All of their mattresses ship right to your door totally free. They come with a 10 or 15 year warranty and you get 100 nights to decide if you like it, my audience also gets a whopping 20 percent off all orders plus two free pillows. Go to helix sleep dot com slash Pacman. That's H E L I X sleep dot com slash Pacman for 20 percent off and two free pillows. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's go back to discord and hear from a few more people. David dot com slash discord is the place to go. Let's go to Genio from Chester, I guess. It's a very complicated thing or uh, I don't know which is the name and which is the location. Genio, welcome. Hi, David. How are you? Doing well. Awesome. Great to speak to you again. Um, I just hopped on, so I didn't have a question ready. Um, uh, what do you think? Are you fan a fan of um, Sean King, the activist? No, I'm not. Oh, what are your reasons for that? <laughs> I don't want to make this a whole thing. Um, okay. Listen, I basically uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do this without like saying things that aren't public. My understanding is that there's a sizable grift going on there, and it's never been my sort of activism that I've seen him engage in. And honestly, I didn't think he was active anymore. I haven't heard anyone mention his name for years. I, I mean, maybe he's still doing stuff, but I thought that he had kind of gone gone silent some years ago. Oh, OK. Oh. Um, yeah, he's on Instagram and, you know, uh, I don't think he's as big as he was, but um, yeah, that was my question for today. Thank you so much. Love, love your show. All right. There goes Genio. Hopefully that doesn't get me into any trouble. Who the hell knows these days? Anything can get you into trouble. Why don't we go next to John from Salt Lake City, Utah, the uh, center of the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints? John, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Yeah, so I just have one question. Uh, what do you think of the recent news that apparently some Russian partisans invaded a uh, Russian city of Belgrade? You didn't think, see like, that. Possibly there could have been like our special forces in there or maybe encouraging them, training them, something like that. I have not heard of that at all. I'm going to have uh, to, to research that. Um, I what when did this happen? This was like I think it was yesterday or the day before. Jeez. No, I haven't seen that yet. And so the idea is that it may not be what it actually appears to be. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is maybe they got training from like NATO forces in order to do something like that or like they're like directly involved in a way. You get what I'm saying? Um, that's interesting. So what I'm reading is it seems Russia has not invaded, but rather uh, Belgorod, the Russian border region, was attacked by an armed group crossing from Ukraine. There's a couple sources saying that 
Russia accused Ukraine of being responsible. Ukraine Ukraine denied it and said the attackers were Russian citizens from paramilitary groups that oppose Putin. It seems we really don't know right now what the truth is. That's what I'm gathering, John. From what the pictures that I've seen, it looks like it could have been equipment that we donated. I saw a couple of Humvees in there. Yeah, listen, that's so speculative. I just don't know. I, I would be cautious about making yeah, any definitive yeah, statements right now. You know, I mean, I don't want to literally like hop on one bandwagon the other. I just want to like see a little bit more details. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I want to know the truth of what happened. From what I'm seeing, I'm looking at five sources, and they don't agree on what happened right now. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're gonna have to look more into that. Maybe by next week we'll have. Uh, more more information, but that's that's quite a wild situation. Let's go to Brett from Chicago. Brett, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to uh, report from a winning part of the country in a few different ways. I mean, we just got most progressive mayor in history elected here. True. And I'm also originally from Minnesota and a lot of great things. I don't know if you've been hearing about that. A lot of great things have been coming out of like the Minnesota legislature recently. I heard I heard some. We covered one story. Uh, Yeah. I mean, so you're feeling good about the part of the country you're in, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a member of the local um, YDSA here, you know, the Democratic Socialists of America. Mm -hmm. And we were pretty excited. We didn't endorse Brandon Johnson directly because he's not like a socialist, but pretty heavily. Uh, I think he got support from our sector, a lot of uh, activity going out and doing work on the ground, canvassing, talking to people at polling stations and that sort of thing. So, Brett, uh, as a de- as an actual Democratic socialist yourself, mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you align with the socialist perspective of uh, socializing ownership of businesses? Like, is that something businesses should be required to do by government? Um, I'm I'm definitely on the I guess you'd call it the more conservative side of the Democratic Socialists. It's a pretty big tent party hmm. as far as like current, like practical uh, boots on the ground activism, like yeah. what we're act activate, uh, what we are um, advocating for isn't like, you know, isn't, isn't normally that, uh, extreme, like turning all businesses into co-ops immediately through an executive order. I mean, a lot of people, again, in the organization would disagree with me on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just asking you, like, what would be your biggest socialist belief? Would you say? Yeah, I would say that like, I would be in favor of things as straight as extreme as probably like breaking up large corporations uh, making more things like publicly not you know publicly uh owned like re like deprivate deprivatizing like infrastructure things like that i mean like start with like the big things where it seems very reasonable that you and i would probably agree on like public transport Mm. or you know you know things that like other countries socialize and socialize well yeah and then i would just probably keep moving forward on that until it stops being effective. But, but I, so I, I feel are like you sure you're a socialist? Like that. That's interesting. It's not I mean, there's you're it sounds like you're more of like a social Democrat, which is a form of capitalism. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, in the midterm, it seems to be that way. But like I would like a like having the means of production being socialized, being owned, like large industries being collectively owned. That seems like a good thing to me. It's just how we get there like social democracy, like I'm an electoralist, I'm a, you know, yeah. slow, gradual movement. So in the in the short to medium term, I do look effectively like a, a social Democrat. So your view is sort of like that espoused by Ian Vouch, the streamer, where he oh, says God. in the immediate, really socialists and social Democrats probably would agree on the same policies. It's just that if they were achieved, then the socialists would want to go further. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm getting outed here for agreeing with Bosch. So that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be great if this ever winds away, because a lot of people in the, the DSA are not uh, not fans of his. They're but, anti vouch yeah, uh, That's interesting. Yeah, it's a big anti vouch movement, um, probably a big anti David Pakman movement as well. Oh, oh obviously. Should... No, listen, mm-hmm. there's no doubt there's an anti David Pakman movement among the socialists. That's that's without a doubt. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah. But before stuff. you'll. 
before you let me go, David, I've got to. I, I should like represent that I am more left in a way, and actually ask you a, a, a somewhat difficult question, or at least it might it might not be difficult. Either. Okay, please. Because uh, you get a lot of criticism from the left, specifically on uh, your coverage of South America and like Latin American politics. I'm sure Do you're I? aware. No, I mean, I only I know years ago something about Bolivia, but I didn't know that that was like an ongoing thing. Oh, okay. So maybe you're not okay. So there are like a few things. It's not like massive, but uh, like I would wonder if you have any updates on that one story you covered because you got some heat from that in my circles anyway. Hmm. When you covered, uh, I believe it was in Argentina, there was an assassination attempt, and the way you presented it was you were like very suspicious of it and like kind of suggesting that it may have been something like a false flag or. You know, like that it wasn't a real assassination attempt. And this was pretty like immediate after the. Uh, oh, the no, event. I think I, I I mean, that was a while ago. I don't know if I didn't speak clearly or if maybe you're misremembering it or I am. But mm -hmm. it was more the idea that these th that sort of hijinks is the stuff I wouldn't put past mm -hmm. Christina. But I was mm -hmm. very, very clear that it was not uh, something I was asserting took place or I mean, I was super clear that it's merely speculative and that there are people wondering about it, but that it was such an, you know, uh, offhanded thing. I wasn't putting a lot of stock in it. I wasn't trying to convince anyone of that. I mean, no, it was just it was just a you know, it's just casual conversation. Oh, OK. OK. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Some people get. Uh, pretty antsy about like that sort of speculation with, you know, because people are fan because they're like the what the slightly more left party in the yeah. country, like center left. I mean, know. listen, I'll be honest. What I can tell you is I think Christine is completely out of her mind. I mean, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I don't know if you've been following her recently, but seems completely disconnected from reality. But that's probably a story for another day. Uh, OK, sure enough. Well, thank you much, very much for having me on, David. All right. Brett from Chicago, worried about uh, worried about agreeing with Ian Vouch. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get in trouble. Why don't we speak next just because we're doing it and we have time? Let's speak to Michael from New Jersey. Michael from New Jersey. Welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? Michael from New Jersey, please accept my invitation to appear on my program. And last chance for Michael from New Jersey. All right, well, that's too bad. Really seem to want to get on. Why don't we go next to I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it Sa'en from Israel? Sa'en? Uh, it's Sean. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's Sean. Wow, I've never seen Sean spelled that way. Uh, yeah, my mom, she's, uh, she's Irish, so that's how this spell. <laughs> Love it. All right, well, what's going on? Uh, I'm from... Uh... Well, from Israel, uh, it's a touchy subject right now. But uh, so your your mom is an Irish Jewish person? Uh, no, she's Catholic, but neither my dad or my mom uh, are religious. I mean, I grew up in the kibbutz. Are you familiar with it? Of course, yeah. But so, hold on a second. Neither of your parents is Jewish, but you were brought up. No, no, no. my my dad is uh, Sephardic Jewish. Okay, uh, and my mom she's uh, a <laughs> Catholic Irish, but none Got of them it, are. Yeah. No, I had I had never heard of non people with no Jewish parents growing up on kibbutzim. That's but you said your dad is Jewish. Got it. Yeah, I mean, well, she also volunteered in the kibbutz, so that's how they met. But uh, Got it. so yeah, I was, uh, but um, other than that, I thought maybe um, you know if if there's a such thing because I know there's a commune in the U.S. and it's usually it has this bad stigma because most of the time in U.S. it's like a, for bad reasons. But I thought you know. Like, but the kibbutz, it's like one like great example that actually worked for us really well, actually, you know, like if it gets some element, implement some elements of that and kind of like or, or improve it in some ways, because. Yeah, kibbutzim I mean, are, are interesting and they're often used as case studies for look, this is an example of a pseudo socialized commune type yeah. community that really works well. I think there are a couple of things, Sean, that are often yeah. said in response to that. One is the do you know, like, what's the largest kibbutz? How many people are part of the largest kibbutz? Um, not much. To be honest, I didn't really follow. I mean, I know my kibbutz doesn't do well these days because they did some bad decisions 
the lost parts of their lands or something. But well, I guess what I'm getting at is the, the two yeah. most common uh, re rebuttals mm -hmm. to the idea of the kibbutz as proof of communal organization is one yeah. kibbutzim are relatively small, often mm -hmm. 150 or fewer people. And and even with the bigger ones, which maybe are in the 500s, I think that you're yes. really getting to the upper reaches of when that sort of organization makes sense. And so a lot of times people say, sure, do it with 15,000 people and you'll see it no longer makes sense, which, of course, isn't really the point of the kibbutz. That's one thing that's that's often said. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's often said is, you know, it's a bit of a cop out to look at the kibbutz as the proof of the commune living because it doesn't stand on its own. It exists within the state of Israel and all of the benefits and infrastructure that the state of Israel provides. So it's not really a good example of self-sufficiency. The counter to that counter would be actually a lot of these kibbutzim are quite self-sufficient. So it's it's a it's a conversation that takes place. I think both sides have interesting perspectives. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say like all like do like exact same. I mean, like well, kibbutz. It's not like a, like a new thing. It's 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 just a sort of like like yeah. It's like a sort of modern version, I guess, of a commune. It's not new. It's not like a Israeli yeah. invention. But uh, I thought like I don't know. Maybe we could take some elements of it or or improve it in some ways. You don't need to. I agree. Like, I mean, listen. There's been a lot written about some of the great things uh, that that you see at kibbutzim, including the sort of community child rearing that takes place, mm -hmm. where people watch out and participate, watch out for and and help to raise all children in the community, um, yeah. the the safety. You, there's, there's a lot of things, I think, that are that are interesting, to, regardless of your views on socialism or capitalism or whatever. I mean, I guess that's why I'm more, I guess, more in the socialism vibe. I mean, because I'm more that's I'm more familiar with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I mean my, the kibbutz I was growing was not religious, like they sell hams and all that shit. So it's like. Yeah, All right. And uh, remember, every time you swear, our producer has to bleep it. So let's try not to uh, uh, not to do sorry. that. Sean, listen, it all sounds incredible. I really do appreciate you calling in today. All right. Have a nice day. All right. There goes Sean from Israel. We almost squeaked through today with no bleeps, but Sean got us. He really did. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for today. We will take calls again, and I hope you are one of the next people I speak to. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. But switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the Journey Pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the Journey Pack. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, we're going to look at what many of you wrote in over the last week. We're going to start with something that is scary too much. Is it too much to call this scary? This is where we are right now. Ray Wright commented on YouTube. I, as well as every other MAGA fan, will never vote for anyone else but for the true president, Donald Trump. He could be behind bars and we will still vote for him. Trump is the only one that we can trust right now. This is a cult. We know that this is a cult. We've spoken to cult experts. We've spoken to conspiracy experts. We've spoken about brainwashing. We've spoken. 
Every expert looks this up and down and says, yes, this is a cult. But we also have to deal with the political reality on the ground. And so when we see, oh, Tim Scott announced that he's running, <laughs> Tim Scott is somehow going to win a Republican primary over Trump. Give me a break. Ron DeSantis is trying to be like Trump, but be different than Trump. One aspect of why these guys don't really have a shot is because of them. The other aspect of why they don't have a shot is because of people like Ray Wright. Trump has assembled a cult of personality around him that is unlike. And listen, it's I never like to say we've never seen it in history. No, they're they're overt cult leaders and they have cult followers. That's not new. But in the modern American political era, there has never been a cult around an elected official in the United States the way we see around Donald Trump. So when Ray Wright says this stuff, the true president is Trump. He could be behind bars and I'll vote for him. Believe them because they're telling us the truth. And the question for us is, how do we ensure that Trump doesn't get another four years? The answer is quite simple. But making it happen is another question. Let's look at some other uh, messages that came in. The teen gunsmith said, oh boy, on YouTube, don't ban books in schools except for heavy violence or sexual items like gender queer, for example. Now, every time I see stuff like this, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, the Bible has to be banned based on this, right? I mean, there's, there's no way to follow this guideline, heavy violence and sexual items. You you must ban the Bible from school if you actually are going to be serious about that. But then I'm also reminded that when you look at what materials have been banned from schools, it's often just a completely unremarkable novel, the coming to age novel where the main character or the author happened to be LGBT. Ban it. OK. And so, yes, they're hypocrites because the Bible is fine, but also their standards are extraordinarily pathetic. And it shows such a lack of tolerance for anything other than what they, I guess, now pretend school kids need, which is stories by heterosexual writers about how great America is, that that seems to be the epitome of what they want. Um, they truly can't handle any other ideas, any other identities, any other sort of content. They are the very snowflakes. They claim that the left actually is. Caddy lover says name one law that has been passed that censors. That's not the right version of censors that censors the thing you are claiming. If you are referring to limiting teachers from discussing topics like gender, sexual orientation or the making up of multiple pronouns with children in one AR second or third grade, I would ask, how are you OK with it? I don't even know what this person is asking. I, I just it, it's it's clear they don't like the left wing perspective and they favor the don't say gay bill. But what I really need people to understand is when they talk about parents rights and being heard at school board meetings and blah, 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 all this different stuff. This is the type of commentary they want to hear at school board meetings. They want to turn the school board meeting into a veritable circus sideshow with stuff like this. And that's exactly what they did during the pandemic era with the masks and at other times. And if they were to be in control, that's who would be in charge. That should scare every single one of us. A Florida son says, say what you want about his personality, him being DeSantis. Florida has one of the best economies in the US. We're below average for crime, both violent and property crime. He doesn't govern with his personality. He's not out to be a reality TV star. He knows how to get the job done. That is what should be important. A beautiful story, but it is only a story. As I told you before, 
Florida doesn't have one of the best economies in the US. It's right around 25th. It's average. You take any state in the country, there's a 50 50 shot that it has a better versus worse economy than Florida. Florida's economy is totally middle of the road. Florida's crime rate, totally middle of the road. It's not particularly good. It's not particularly bad. Access to health care in Florida, very mediocre. Infrastructure in Florida, similarly middle of the road. And so the story of this Florida success that DeSantis is touring the country talking about, if it's examined even at all, it immediately becomes clear Florida is right in the middle, not a particularly successful state, not a particularly unsuccessful state. And then the question becomes whether we think that that record is worthy of a presidential candidate. Republicans will have to answer that question first. They can decide. Are we impressed by the Florida record of DeSantis enough to make him the nominee instead of Donald Trump? Non quack wrote in and said, let me ask a question. Should business owners be able to choose whether or not they require masks, but not be completely controlled by the state if they don't wish to bake a cake for a gay wedding? Well, it's a beautiful uh, analogy, except that it is completely nonsensical. When in the United States we talked about uh, protected classes of people um, in some states, LGBT identity, gender identity, sexual orientation is a protected class. If indeed LGBT is a protected class, then discriminating against someone on that basis would be against the law. Whereas saying we have a policy here where you've got to wear shoes or you've got to wear a mask or whatever would be a completely different category. Now, I'm not an unreasonable person. If what individuals are saying is there should be no protected classes and everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want and say, we don't want black people in this store, we don't allow Jewish customers here or whatever. If that's the world that you want to to see, well, take that position or take the position that is on the opposite of that. But don't make this false analogy because we have something called protected classes. You might not like that, but it is the reality. And thus it makes the mask versus gay wedding cake question a completely irrelevant question under the law. Now, if you want the law changed, by all means, go and advocate for that. Lynette posted on uh, Facebook. If DeSantis was smart, he would wait and run in 2028. But he's too greedy and narcissistic to play the long game. And we all know that he's not too smart. I've talked about this before. On the one hand, I don't see a path for DeSantis to get to 50 percent support in the Republican primary, which he needs to be the nominee. So one view would be, dude, Trump's already got 55, 60 percent. You can't win. Just wait it out. Run in 2028. The counterpoint to that, and I understand this, is most people, most governors aren't polling 20 percent in the Republican primary. It's true. Most senators aren't polling 20 percent in the Republican primary. So if you're Ron DeSantis, it could be difficult to look at that polling and say 20 percent before I even announce I'm going to wait four years. It's very difficult to do that. It's sort of like in poker when you flopped high pair and you know you should probably fold, but you just can't quite get away from it. You want to see it through and see how you do, even if it cripples your ability to run again in the future. Um, I think Lynette makes a good point, and I also see why DeSantis would not be motivated by that. Uh, okay, a bunch of commentary about the Christopher Key urine drinking interview. Baron Steuben posted this was an incredibly insightful interview into how trauma can affect the cognition of otherwise reasonable individuals. I appreciate David's thoughtful handling of this interview and not allowing it to descend into a farce, despite the outrageous statements made by Christopher. It's important to understand why these individuals think like this in order to treat and prevent such delusions. Agree 100 percent. We really learned a lot about the sad reality of how Christopher Key ended up allegedly drinking and injecting urine. I will mention I don't know that he was really drinking urine. I don't know that he really injects urine. 
And people wrote to me and said, do we really have proof that he's actually drinking urine and not apple juice? And the answer is we really don't. We're taking him at his word. Not necessarily the type of guy you want to take at his word, but OK. A worker bee from Wisconsin says, I wish the media would report gun injuries over deaths to get a better picture of the damage done by mass shootings. And this is an interesting point, which says, for example, the 2017 Las Vegas shooting had 60 deaths, but over 400 gunshot injuries with an, an, an additional 450 injuries from fleeing danger. How many of those 400 wounded victims are permanently disabled or worse now? It would be a nice uh, it would be nice to turn the narrative away from strictly mortality and include serious injury as well. Just reporting death seems to minimize the carnage for the benefit of the gun lobby. I believe that this is a good point, and I'm going to make an effort to say uh, killed and injured as well. We don't always have completely accurate data on that. But I think that that is a good point and we shouldn't understate. I mean, you know, if six people die, but 80 are also in hospitals, some in critical condition, some serious, et cetera, that is 100 percent part of the damage done by these mass shooters. And we shouldn't ignore that. So I'll try to do a better job. Email info at davidpackman.com if you have something to say. We will have a fantastic bonus show for you today. We are off Monday Memorial Day, but it is the day of our huge membership special. If you are interested in becoming a member, if you might want to become a member and get all of the great member benefits we offer this Monday, Memorial Day, we'll be sending out an email in the morning, maybe 10 a.m. Seems like a good time Eastern, and uh, it'll contain a coupon code and instructions for signing up for a membership at a comical discount, comical discount. To be notified, get on my mailing list at davidpackman.com.